Okay, Parak Bays in Mesechtas Megillah, Mishnah Hay. Koliyom Kashal Kriyas Megillah. The entire day is kosher for Kriyas Megillah, and this we know because there are many people who can't come to the shul in the morning, um, and and uh, and the rabbi lanes for them in the afternoon. This is a halacha that we know about, but it says so in the Mishnah. Now, not only that, not only for Kriyas Megillah, but also the Kriyas Halal. There are certain days that are mandated by the Torah to say halal. Those days, which it's not a it's not a minute, it's actual actually mandated, which are any day in which we say full halal, like during Sukkot or first two days of Pesach or Shavuos, that is mandated by the Torah. You're allowed to say halal all day long. If you missed it in the morning, say it in the afternoon. Shofar. And for Tkia Shofar, actually, do you know that Tkia Shofar really used to be done early in the morning? We, we do Tkiyah Shofar today after Kriya Satara. That's the Minig, right before Musaf is when we do, we do Tkiyah Shofar. But it used to not be like that. Tkiyah Shofar was early in the morning, right when we came to Shul, we would do Tkiyah Shofar. However, um, during, during the, um, I think it was the Roman occupation of uh, Yerushalayim, the, they, one Kihila blew Shofar, maybe several of them blew early in the morning and they thought it was a call to arms, to war. And the uh, soldiers came in and attacked and massacred a lot of Jews. Mm-hmm. Didn't take a lot to massacre Eden in those days. So even today, unfortunately. So they they mandated that Tkia Shofar should be later in the day. Once it's, it's later, then they're not concerned that it's a cry to war because battles begin earlier, not later. It's just a, a fascinating, there's a Gemara. Unatilas lulav, and for taking lulav, you could do it all day long. So if you forgot to take it in the morning, uh, let's say you were traveling, you had a plane ride, and you came in, you missed shacharis or whatever, you're allowed to take it in the afternoon. Unatilas musafen, and for musaf, musaf corresponds to the carbon musaf that we brought after the carbon tumult of shachar uh, in the in the uh, in the in, in the later morning. And if you don't, if you miss Musaf, you're allowed to have a Musaf all day long. Ulamusafim ulevidui. Ulamusafim over here refers to the, um, not, not just the, the, uh, the tefillah of Musaf, but actually to the, to the carbon Musaf. You're allowed to bring the carbon Musaf all day long. Ulevidui haparim. Vidui haparim refers to that if there is a, uh, a par that's brought, there's certain um, there um, there's, there's a certain par. If, if the congregation forgets a certain halacha, halachas, and they act upon what they had forgotten, and then they realize that later they have to bring something called a par helam davar shel They have to bring into the mizbeach a cow that is uh, that is for this particular sin. And you got to say vidui on it. Vidui is just like the vidui that we know from from Yom Kippur. You confess the sin. Every carbon chantas that a person brought was a, you say a confessional for the sin. Now, the vidui meiser, vidui meiser is not a confessional for a sin, but when you you, you meiser is you're allowed to uh, give your meiser your um, your tithing, specifically the tithing of the of the um, of, of meiser sheni, meaning. The way it worked was when a person had 
uh, agriculture in Eretz Yisrael. So the first thing he brought was known as Bikurim. Bikurim is the first fruits of the seven fruits that from which Eretz Yisrael is distinguished, like olives or dates or wheat or barley. There are seven fruits that uh, Klai Yisrael is distinguished. So um, you, you would you would tie a string around one of the around one or more of those fruits and bring them to Yushalayim. Then, well, from what's left over, you would give a percentage to the Kohen. Then from what's left over to that, you would take 10% and give it to the Levi. And what's left over from that is you would take 10% and give it to yourself, except that it had to be eaten in Yerushalayim. That's what the halacha is. Now, from the food that was eaten in Yerushalayim, sometimes you can't make it down to Yerushalayim to, uh, to eat the food within the confines of the walls of Yerushalayim. You're not able to do that. So you could give it to a friend, but if it's a lot, what you could do is you could you could redeem it uh, for value on coins. And then you take those coins and you bring them to Yerushalayim. They can only redeem those coins, they only take those coins and redeem it up until a certain point. And after that, you're not allowed to do it anymore. So you then you bring it down to Yerushalayim and uh, you redeem them for food and you eat it over there in Yerushalayim. You have to recognize that people are going to Yerushalayim all the time because it was mandated that we went to Yerushalayim for Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. So people went with their families for Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. So they were there often enough anyway. So they could spend their 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 meiser, they could eat their meiser, they could spend their meiser money on on that too. But when you brought the meiser to the base of Migdash, you would say a um, an expression, I gave my Maiserishan to a Levi, I gave my Truma properly, and here is my Maisershani. So you ought to do that all day long. Now, this is the Vidui that we are familiar with. Vidui Yom Kippur, you, you, the person confesses, is a virus on Yom Kippur, could do that all day. <coughs> Lismicha. Lismicha is that every carbon, not every carbon, not carbon of, not bird carbonos, but behemoth carbonos, needed smicha. You needed to put uh, your hands onto the animal, and that was called, and pressed down, that was called smicha. So smicha for carbon was doable all day long. Lishchita, as far as shechting a carbon, all day long. It was permissible. Litinufa. Tinufa refers to lifting up. And um, this particular tinufa refers to the Omer. There was a carbon Omer. Um, and also there were different parts of animals that were uh, that were, were brought, like the carbon shlomim, and you would lift up sections of the animal. The Omer was um, just like we say spheros omer, we count the omer. That that originates. The Sviris Omer begins with the bringing of the Omer. So the, we start counting from the day. The Omer was brought in the second day of Pesach. Omer was a, was a barley-based carbon mincha, and it was a communal offering. We would cut the night before the barley, and, um, and, and we would, it would be processed, and it would be given as a carbon mincha in the base of Mikdash. And then from the day after that, they would, um, it was, we would start counting the Sviras Omer. So we would count from the Omer. So the, um, 
the the uh, the omer the the the, uh, the omer the tufa the lifting up of the omer could be done all day long. Then it says lahagasha, the mincha was brought to the um, a mincha is a is a uh, is an offering mostly of wheat sometimes a barley, and it was brought to the base of mikdash, and it was it was it was brought to the to the southwest corner of the Mizbeach. And a komates, which is this much, three middle fingers worth, was taken and burnt on the Mizbeach, which is what we say now, the Kemitza. So you'd bring the Mincha to, to touch the southwest corner of the Mizbeach. He would take the Kohen, not, not us. The Kohen would come and take the Kemitza, would remove a three fingers worth, place it onto the Mizbeach, have it burned, and the rest of it, would be enjoyed by the Kohanim. They would eat the Mincha offering. Sometimes Minchas would burn completely, but often the Mincha was uh, was given to the was given to the Kohanim to eat. So that's the Hagasha and the Kemitza. Um, the Haktara is also part of the Mincha, the burning of the Kemitza onto the Mizbeach. You could do that all day long. Malika, Malika refers to a carbon oaf. You can only have Malika by Malika Kabbalah, we should really say it together. Um, the Malika is is a carbon oaf, a, a bird carbon. This bird carbon was the um, was it's different than all other carbonos. When you brought a uh, a bird carbon to the base of Migdash, instead of shechting it with a knife, the Kohen had a specialized thumbnail that was very sharp, and they would they would sever the neck from the back, not from the front. All, all behemos and ofos, they're shechted. Today, uh, everything has to be done with an extremely sharp knife and has to be done in one go from the bottom of the neck where you cut the wind and food pipe together. And both of them have to be cut in, a, in an animal and only one of them has to be cut in a bird, but you cut them and that's how the animal is rendered fit for consumption. But Malika's carbonos is unusual in that you don't shecht it with a knife. You shecht it with a thumbnail. And it's not shechted on the from the bottom of the neck like you would when you want to eat a carbon we want to eat a, a bird. You shecht it from the back, from behind. And it's it's a procedure that has to be taught. Um, so that Malika was kosher all day long. Ola Kabbalah, now you would whenever any carbon you would take the blood, not the carbon oaf, but in general, Kabbalah, when you shechted, you would take the blood and you would you would collect it, all the blood that comes out from the shechita in a keli, in a vessel. And that blood would be sprinkled on the mezbeach in various places, depending on the carbon, which brings me to Hazaya. Hazaya is the sprinkling of the blood on the Beis HaMikdash, depending on which, um, which, uh, which carbon it was. You could do that all day long. Ul hashkayas, lashkiyas sota, to give a, a sota to drink. Meaning, a sota is a woman who has been accused of being unfaithful to her husband. And there were witnesses and some of it, but she, we, we don't know this for sure. We don't know that she, um, she was unfaithful to her husband. There were, uh, her husband um, was nervous about her spending too much time with a certain man and he asked her, uh, warned her, don't do this. And then she was caught, spent um, secluding herself with this with this fellow. 
So she is brought to the base of Mikdash and she has to drink this certain concoction of water mixed with dirt from the bottom of the Mizbeach and there's Hashem's name is erased in that water. So it's, it's a ceremony. And if she is innocent, then she gets a great blessing. Um, she shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't have done that. Neivish is not correct to be done anyway. But if she's innocent, she still gets the blessing. If she's guilty, then she dies a horrible death. Um, you're allowed to give her something to drink all day, not by night. Ula Rifa Sangala. Rifa Sangala is also Masachta Sota. Sota is obviously in, in Masachta Sota. So is Arifa's Hagala. Rifa Sangala refers to if you find a, a, a body um, in one of, near one of the cities anywhere in Israel, as long as it's not near the border or places where you know that that robbers have been hanging out, murderers have been hanging out. So if you find a body um, dead, you don't know who killed it. You don't know who killed the person. Now, man or woman, you don't kill them. So you go to the, the closest city and the Besden city comes out and there's a whole ceremony and they say, and they're met by the Kohen Gadol and the Besden of Yerushalayim and that there's a ceremony and they say, we have nothing to do with the with the um, with this murder, and, and we, we uh, this person either if he came into our city, we can attest to the fact that we welcomed him and we didn't see him off without without escort, and we don't we don't know anything about this, and they they don't shech they kill a an, an egel which is a calf um, in that right near the body, They're killing it with a, a blow to the back of the head, the neck, back of the head. And they're allowed to do that all day long. Well, the Tahirus of Metzorah. Metzorah is a leprous condition, which is actual leprosy, but uh, it's, it's not, it's not uh, caught by a person because he, 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 uh, he, came, he came in contact with an infected person. It comes because of an Avera that a person did. It's not treatable by, by antibiotics as they would treat leprosy today. Um, it's 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 treatable by the person doing tshuva, and by the person undergoing a ceremony that's outlined in in uh, in Parshas Mitzora. The the Mitzora, the the vera that's most discussed in connection with the Mitzora is lashon hara, speaking ill of, uh, of of a person, which is never a good idea. So uh, there are sometimes when yes, you you need to speak ill of a person. Um, not going through all the lachas of Lashon Hara now, but sometimes for the person, you know a person is a cheat in business. And somebody says to you, for example, um, I'm thinking of going into a partnership with this fellow. Um, I could trust him, right? So you know firsthand that no, you cannot. So it would be wrong for you to say, sure, he's a trustworthy guy, go right ahead. And that would be wrong to do. You have to tell the person what you know, not your suspicions, but what you know. And if there's ever a situation where you need to say something um, not pleasant about somebody else and you're scared that somebody is going to be taking advantage of somebody else, speak to your local competent Orthodox rabbi or Elkor, and he will certainly guide you as to the parameters of when you're allowed to, when you're required to, sometimes you're required to, speak um, poorly of a person to share your knowledge and when you are not. Although you should know that most of the time people speak ill of others it's not because of any great tzitkis on their part. It's because they're just, just doing it.
So you have to be careful with Lashon Hara. Um, and when a person gets Lashon Hara, says Lashon Hara, it's not only Lashon Hara, it's other Averis also. A person gets this Tzara's condition, he has to bring, uh, part of the ceremony is bringing two birds, and you shecht one bird over water, and and that could be done all day long. That's Taras and Matsara. Okay? That's after he has gotten rid of the, after the leprosy has gotten, has, has left him because of his tshuva, then he goes through, the, undergoes the ceremony. The ceremony could be done the entire day. Let's learn one more mission. It will be mission of Vav, um, and we'll be able to finish the parak, which would be wonderful. We'll have a virtual l'chaim. Bourbon for me, please. <laughs> Water. Water's good. I got some too. Okay. Kola Omer. As we mentioned beforehand, this cutting of the Omer, which is done once a year, that's only cut at night. Pesach time. You're only allowed to cut it at night. But if you didn't cut it in the beginning of the night, you can cut it at the end of the night, as long as you cut it by night. You are allowed to burn the fats and the limbs, meaning bring them up to the Mizbeach to be burned, all night long. And if you don't bring them up onto the Mizbeach to be burned during the course of the night, then it's no good. It depends on different Karbanos. Uh, most Karbanos, Achantas and Ola and Ajam, are burned during the course of the day and the night following. It's, it's fascinating that all things in Judaism, the night precedes the day. Morning is night, night is morning. That's why we're so confused. So everything, it says in the Pasuk, Vayi Erev, Vayi Voker. There was evening and there was morning. So Shabbos, for example, does not start with Shabbos morning and continue to Matzah Shabbos. It starts with Friday night. And so do all Yom Tovim, so does Rosh Chodesh, begin at night. And the next day continues onwards, whichever holiday uh, continues. The only thing, the exception, only exception that I know of is Karbanos. Karbanos, for example, you were to shech the Karban Ola by day, and you would bring the the fats, the varim, onto the kevesh, onto the ramp by day, um, and then you and 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 then you bring it onto the mizbeach to be burned. Once once uh, you're allowed to do that during the day or at night, but you can't. But if, if you if you, if you wait uh, until the, the next morning, then it's no good. Then you have to um, throw out that those fats and the carbon. They have to be burnt in a separate place. It's not kosher anymore. So you have the day and the night to be able to process this carbon, and that's it. That's what it says. Zehaklal. This is the general rule. Davar shemitzvasabayom. Anything whose mitzvah is by day kosher kolayom. It's kosher the entire day. Dover but something that's kosher by night, kosher kol alayla, it's kosher the entire day. So that would include um, lots of things. The uh, tefillin, for example, that's not the example the Gemara gives, but tefillin, which is kosher. If a person forgot to put on tefillin in the early morning, when we normally dive in shacharis, then don't worry about it. Just put on tefillin the ne- later on in the day. You can put on tefillin anytime, as long as you do so before before the end of the day. Before Shkia, put on your tefillin, okay? And the Gemara talks about the lechem aponim. The lechem aponim are the, the showbreads, they call them. I don't know why they call them showbreads, but 
they call them shot. There are two words that I, 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 the English translation of which is just beyond me. They say that um, Livona, Livona, they call it frankincense. I don't think that. <laughs> imagine walking into Win Dixie and asking the uh, person there, "Can I have some frankincense, please?" <laughs> what is that? I don't know. But that's what they translate Livona, frankincense. So it was actually with the lechem upon him and the showbread. I don't know what showbread is. Lechem upon him with these breads that um, were um, were. It was actually matzah that was placed onto the shulchan together with these beziche levona, these, these uh, containers of levona, of frankincense, and they would, um, every, every Shabbos, they would switch out the lechem upon him for new lechem upon him. The old lechem upon him was eaten by the kohanim, and the levona, the frankincense, was burned, and the new lechem upon him was set up together with the, the new levona, and that was placed there, and it was, and it was kept there until the entire, for the entire week. So the, uh, the Bezichi Levona were allowed to be placed onto Lechem Apanim, which completes the Lechem Apanim table. Now it's, now it's the Shulchan, the table in the Beis Mikdash was now completed. That was allowed to be done the entire day. And anything that was kosher at night is allowed to be done the entire night. So, for example, the Korban Pesach, which we would eat only at night, the, uh, that would be kosher the entire night. You want to eat the carbon paste the whole night. It's not lechatchila. It's not the first choice. In fact, uh, Chazal say that a person should eat the carbon paste and have it finished before chatzos midnight. They uh, said that only so that people should not be too lax in eating the carbon paste and thereby delay the consumption of the carbon paste until after until after daybreak. So they mandated that people eat the carbon Pesach up until Chatzos, but technically, if a person didn't eat the carbon Pesach up until Chatzos midnight, you're allowed to eat it the entire night. Okay, so we just finished the second parak. Next week, Be'ezah Hashem, we will start with the third parak, and I will send out the recording for your listening pleasure. And I wish you a wonderful rest of the week.